And so we talked about that. We expressed the need to, to begin with this family devotions, to take time to share the gospel, to share the word, to share the principles of the word of God in our homes. Now, we, we also talked about the history of family worship. We began to note how it's been practiced down through history. I mean, it's, it doesn't, it's not something that just began a couple of years back or even a decade or two ago. No, this idea of having family worship, getting together with our families and sitting down and going through the Word of God together as a family, that's something that's been part of history. We note that that's been uh, something that we've seen in the ancient church, even in the Reformation, early America, and up to and through today even in churches, especially in people that are attending churches where they emphasize their historic values and the biblical precedent, uh, the Bible being precedented and being very important in, in, in the home. <clears throat> Listen, we can't afford to lose the Word of God in our homes. Uh, listen, that's important. And so we're talking about that. We've been addressing that. And then we said the main ingredient. What's the main ingredient? We said example. It's important that the, leader, uh, that the leaders in the home, especially dad in this case as we address these issues, it's important that he is an example. It's important that mom's an example. It's just important that we set the right standard, the right stage for our families and our children. And again, we said that a man's been given a God-ordained authority to command his family. But if that man neglects his own personal relationship with Christ, then Satan's going to weasel his way into his life and cause him to feel uh, and, and get sin into his life, whereas pretty soon that man's going to feel somewhat convicted about that sin, and before it's over with, he may or may not even feel adequate to share or to teach the Bible in his home. So it's important that he lives a life that is, a, is, is beyond sin, that he, he allows himself to be committed, yielded, and surrendered to Jesus Christ, that his walk is, is in lockstep with his talk, if you will. And if he'll do that, then he'll at least have the courage and he'll have the confidence to go forward to at least take those steps. And so we said the main ingredient is example. And we talked about that idea of example, and we said that we need to be an example in spirit, an example in character, an example in priority, an example in charity, an example in love. And so we, we, we took the time to address all those things. And then we came along and said, all right, what are some of the benefits of family worship? And we said, well, they spell out your priorities. Number two, they promote unity. Number three, they teach self-discipline. Number four, they provide a good example. And number five, they benefit all. Now, <clears throat> the fact is, is, that, is that we took a lot of time getting to that point. That covers a number of weeks through our, uh, our, our series and today, as I said, I want to begin by talking today and end this series by addressing tips for family worship. Okay, we've talked a lot about family worship, the need for it, how important it is and essential it is, but, you know, how do you get that done? And, and I know many of you are already doing that, and that's wonderful, and I've gotten some feedback through these weeks that folks that maybe weren't are now, and folks that were are even taking on more time in the Word of God with their families Man, that's wonderful, that's exciting, and that's encouraging. But still, I thought, well, what better way to end this than maybe giving a few tips? And just to say simply this, don't quit, keep at it, okay? But anyway, <clears throat> I want to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get started. And, uh, well, what happens, happens, all right? We'll see where this goes. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you mean to us and all that you do for us. We thank you, Father, for just the families that are represented here. We thank you for each individual. Tonight, across this country, um, 
I would like to believe that churches across the country are, are having services and they're teaching and training in the word of God. But Lord, I'm not convinced that that's the trend of our day. I'm not so convinced that churches want more church or that even church members want more church. Lord, I thank you for this group that's assembled tonight saying we want to hear from heaven. We want something from the word of God. We want something from Jesus, our savior. And Lord, I am so encouraged by that tonight. I pray that you'd help me to be a blessing and a help to people. I have nothing in myself to share, but I do pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would just lay upon me a holy unction, that you'd enable me, Father, just to be an encouragement to them, but Lord, most importantly, to be a blessing to you. You're so worthy of our best. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do my best now, filled with your spirit. Bless this service. May we leave here equipped, better equipped and better able to accomplish what you've called us to do. And Lord, we'll thank you in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> so tips for family worship. First of all, the starting place. The starting place is none other than this book, the Word of God, right? I mean, that's what it's really all about. A healthy view of the Word of God is essential when it comes to leading in devotions or sharing family worship, the Word of God. And, and can I just say it is important, too, that we understand that, you know, sometimes we want this... Simple solutions for everything, don't we? You know, it's kind of like the fast food mentality. You know, I want to be able to go through the drive through at church, so to speak, and get what I need in a fathom of a few minutes. Can I tell you that if you are in, in any sense of leadership in the home in which you uh, reside, if you're the one that's kind of expected and responsible to perform the duties of uh, family worship, and I'm talking about God-given responsibility. I'm not just talking about, well, your husband decided to pass off the buck, pass the buck to you as a wife. Even then, wives, you, if, if, if your husband's just downright, listen, somebody said, what if my husband doesn't want to do family devotions? Well, then sit your kids down and do them without him. I'm sorry, but do them without him then. I, I'm sorry, but, but I'm not trying to be, hey, listen, I doubt he's going to say, stop having those without me. He probably won't do that, would he? I mean, so you turn the television off for about 15, 10 minutes. That's all right. Turn the television off. You know, you do him when he's, when he's at work. Okay, he's not home yet. Do your devotions if he doesn't want to take the lead. I would hope that every man in this room would say, you know what, that's my God-given responsibility. I'm going to do that. Now, let me say this, that this, this is the key, okay? You got to understand the word of God's the key, of course, and a healthy view of the word of God's important, but it is not a fast food mentality. If you honestly want to be effective in this area, then you're going to have to take some time to get to know this book. You're going to actually have to sit down and read it, and you may even have to look up a few words here and there. You may have to actually study out something and say, that verse sounds like it. I, I think I remember reading that somewhere else. I wonder where that's at. Let me look that up. I'm just saying the more... Or, or the more you know about the Bible, the better equipped you are in the Word of God, the less intimidated you'll be about something like a family worship time or family devotion. So get to know the book. Make it a priority in your life. It should hold first place in our lives. It should hold first place in our homes. Always elevate it. Always accentuate the Bible. When you're having a discussion in your family, listen, take every opportunity. To, it's just like I've talked about in child training. Every time, if there's a situation with a child and they're kind of out of line or they're, they're going they're a little out of control, use it as an opportunity to train them. Well, can I tell you that it's the same thing with the Bible? Every time a topic comes up in your home or some kind of issue arises, use it as an opportunity to share the biblical truths. 
Man, use it. Talk about the Bible. Share the truths from the Word of God. Use a scripture to back your perspective or your point. You say, but I don't know the Bible that well. Well, get to know the Bible. Work at it. Learn it. Strive to do that. Because, see, the starting place is the Word of God. It is the basis. It's the foundation for all family worship. The Bible says, let God be true, but every man a liar. What that means is that if my opinion differs with God's, then he's right, I'm wrong. And I, I don't care what position we hold in life, it doesn't matter how long or how, how much time we've spent in college or whatever it might be. When my opinion, your opinion, differs from God's perspective and opinion, then friend, you're wrong, God's always right. Let God be true, but every man a liar. That's why it's important that we elevate this book, that we raise this book up high, that we, we put it right where it needs to be, on top. That's it. The starting place, the Word of God. Number two, topics for family worship. Well, what are some of the topics, or where, where do we get some of our material? Well, of course, since the Bible is first and foremost, well, Bible stories are a good place, right? I mean, we think about these Bible stories, we read a passage, and we, we can almost picture in our minds so many times what's transpiring, what's taking place. I mean, think about David and Goliath with me. I mean, as soon as I say those words, if you've read the passage or if you've been to Sunday school at all, you can picture this huge giant and you see this guy, little David running around. He's got this little slingshot, so to speak. And again, the slingshot's different than our slingshots. My wife found a piece of wood outside just today and it had a little Y in it. She went, look at this. And I said, a slingshot. Now, David didn't have one of those slingshots like that. He had one of them like long things. that had a little whatever and he went like that and let it go and all that. Anyway, I don't have time to describe it all, but, but that's what you could do in your family devotions. You could share that, you know? But the truth is, is that pi there's a picture that's painted in our mind when we think about David and Goliath. And so the Bible stories are always wonderful tools that we can use in our family devotions or our family worship. Act out the, 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 the Bible story. I mean, if, especially if your children are young and they're small, act it out. Let somebody be Goliath, and that's usually dad. And then you have your children, they can be, they can, one of them can be David and some of them can be the army. Some could even be the army, the, the, you know, uh, on the other side of Elah too, you know, the Philistines. Boy, I tell you what, you can make a big deal of it and you can have a good time together. And let me tell you something, do your best to stay doctrinally sound, but let me tell you, sometimes things may get a little twisted. I mean, it's hard to picture, you know, dad as Goliath, you know, and he may not say the exact words that Goliath said, but they get the picture. I'm just saying, do your best, but the kids will remember things like that. I think about the walls of Jericho. Man, you could build a little city out of blocks in your house and have it sitting there on a, a table maybe right there in the kitchen and you could move the chairs away or something and build that thing up and then you could, you could get everybody together and, and have somebody with a, 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 you know, a horn or something and, and get the kids together and, and you march around seven times without saying a word, right there is already a miracle. But you match them marking around and silence around, around there. Is that Brother Richard? Brother Richard, it's good to have you here tonight. Amen, Amen brother. Good job. 
So anyway, uh, he, we're walking around and walking around, silent, nobody talking, seven times around, seven times around, and then all of a sudden, when he get to that seven time, we just get to yelling and screaming and stomping and clapping until the walls come down. I'm just saying that we can act it out, and sometimes acting it out, I'll guarantee you acting it out, it's something they're going to remember. David in the lion's den, can you imagine that one? You say, I don't have enough lions. You don't need lions. You just need some stuffed animals. And then maybe if you got a lion, it's always good to have a lion stuffed animal, even if it's kind of a cartoonish one. You throw that lion down there in the middle and then all those other stuffed animals there. Maybe you take some chairs even. You put them together four, four by four and have kind of a little pit there that you can throw your kid into. You know, so somebody's going to be Daniel and somebody's going to be those 120 of those, those uh, presidents, if you will, and, and those, those leaders of that nation. And they're going to, they're going to see Daniel praying and they're going, to, they're going to go ahead and they're going to get on old Daniel and they're going to send him on down over there to Darius. And Darius is going to have to just throw him into that pit right down there with all those stuffed animals. I'm just saying, acting things out like that, that's so, so uh, potentially powerful for children, especially younger. I mean, I mean, if you're trying to do that with a teenager and you got, you know, uh, you know I don't know, stuffed animals, they're not going to, it's not working too good. But, but I'm just saying, if you got youngsters, my, that's so powerful. Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Noah and the flood. I mean, there's so many things. Use your imagination. See, children have this unbelievable ability to take things that don't even... I mean, remember, you're outside playing with sticks. They become swords. They become guns. They become... You know what I'm saying as a kid. Sticks. I mean, just a stick. Amazing. So use their imaginations and have a good time. And it doesn't have to always be so structured like that to where it's like, well, we're going to have to spend the next three days working on, you know, objects and trying to, you know, do crochet animals and all. You don't have to do that. Make it fun, you know. And then not only do we see do we, Bible stories in general, but then enacting it out. But think about the book of Proverbs for a moment. I want to run you through. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs, and I'm just going to run through some passages that I think are tremendous. They're, they're powerful devotional tools. They're powerful worship opportunities. And again, you have to remember that, that family worship is accumulative, that it builds on it. It's not something that it's like, well, you get one shot at this, get it right. No, it's accumulative. So we're going to be teaching principles. We're going to be sharing biblical truths. We're going to be just all kinds of issues, life issues and, and, and family issues and, and practical issues as well. It's so important because the Bible is a practical book. Now notice what, it, look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. I'm just going to run through some verses. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. As our children start getting older and they're able to comprehend some things, they're able to understand truths, and you'd be surprised how early these things happen. Children are much smarter often than we give them credit for. And they're quite capable of understanding sometimes more complicated issues than we would imagine. However, we, you know, when they're really little, man, it's great. The stories and acting things out, and I'll have to share a few other uh, resources at the end. But the fact is, is that, is that biblical truths like this, I mean, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
well, what is wisdom and what is instruction? And then you just share that with them. You say, listen, I mean, (laughs) fools despise those things. Fools want nothing to do with wisdom. Fools want nothing to do with instruction. Fools don't listen to mom and daddy and fools don't listen to their pastor and fools don't listen to... You see that? You are teaching them some tremendous truths. Look at verse 8 even. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. How many times have you said to your kid, just do what dad says. Just do what I tell you. The Bible's doing that for you here. And utilize it as a tool. God is certainly more powerful and God's influence should be greater than anybody's influence in the lives of your child. Let God speak to them. Verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. Boy, years ago, there was a man by the name of Solomon. And let me tell you what, he was taught to hear the, his instru- the instruction of his father and not to forsake the law of his mother. Your mommy's very wise. You better listen to mommy. You need to do what mommy says. And daddy's got some instruction for you along the way. And sometimes you may not agree with it, but it's important that you listen to daddy and that you do what mama says. You say, that's family worship? It's biblical. I'm just saying as they get older, it's helpful. This book of Proverbs has a lot of tools and a lot of wonderful truths. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. You can go ahead and read on further with that passage, but let me tell you what it teaches. You better pick and choose. Uh, You better be careful where you go and what you do. You better listen to what people are telling you, and before you take a a leap uh, by following them, you better make sure you know where it's going to end up. Don't follow your friends off a cliff. I mean, that's what I'm just saying. There's some basic truths. Look at chapter 14, verse 12. Again, you're, you're setting the stage for life. These are accumulative. Remember, one, some of the things we want them to understand and learn are, are what our principles are, what our values are, where we stand on some things as parents, as people, as Christians. Too many times we don't share what we really believe with our kids. Our kids need to hear us talk. Listen to me. Do yourself a favor and expect your children to stop talking when they're around you and listen to you. They need to know what you think. What they think doesn't matter at this point. They don't have no experience. They don't need to tell you what life is about. You need to tell them what life is about. Now, I'm not saying that you don't listen to a kid. Now, don't, don't go twisting my words. Never listen to a kid. Shut up. You're not even uttering to nobody. I'm not talking like that, but I am saying that too many times in a room, children take the lead instead of submission. Let them listen to adults. They need to learn from those who have lived a little bit of life. And this is a good principle. Notice this, chapter 14, verse 12. By the way, what I'm telling you probably doesn't fit real well with the politically correct views of our day. But I'm telling you, they are biblically correct. Now, chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Wow. You know, what does that say to you? I mean, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what that verse is trying to express and share. There is a way which seemeth right into a man. That means that there's something that I want to do, there's a direction I want to go that just seems right. And because I think it's right, it's got to be right. And he says, but the end thereof are the ways of death. 
What he's saying is that by our nature, we're sinners, right? So we may get the impression and think somehow that we always know the direction we ought to go and what's best for us and even maybe others. But the truth is, we don't. Just because we think it's right doesn't make it right. And we better be careful because it could lead us in the wrong direction here. Our children need to learn those kind of principles. They need to learn that we are fallible too as men, that we have to follow after our God just like we're telling them to follow after their God. And their God and our God ought to be the same God. And so we use the same book. I follow the same rules you do, son. I'm, 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 I'm obligated to obey the same Bible you're supposed to obey. My rules are no different than your rules. Look at these principles that we're sharing from the Word of God apply to me and to you. And boy, Daddy is successful in his life because Daddy has followed God's Word. Boy, that's important. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Well, I want my children to learn that principle. Can you imagine? He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. How practical can you get with that? Have you ever thought about taking a cookie and not telling mommy or daddy? Have you ever done something at school like cheated and tried to cover it up? And you talk to them about that. You bring those situations up. Make it practical. Make the application in their life from the word of God. As we'll see in just a moment, you, you can take a hook and then you get the book involved and you put the hook and book together and pretty soon you got application and boy, I'll tell you what, it makes an impact. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. How many children and how many adults both could use a little bit of that? Proverbs 16, 18. I'm just saying as we move down the list, we could talk about it. I've got a number of them listed. I'm, I, I want you to understand, it's not that complicated. Go to the book of Proverbs. Find a, 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 a proverb that really touches your heart. And as your children begin to grow older, as they begin to understand simple words, as you're able to put things together, you'd be amazed how many times a simple verse like that makes sense to them too if you'll explain it. Now again, if they're three years old, the Proverbs probably isn't the best place to start. A story's a good place, but let me tell you what, they don't have to be much older. Even then, it doesn't hurt them to hear mommy and daddy talk about things because it's accumulative. It's adding up. It's brick upon brick, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And then there's doctrine and biblical principles. Those are places that we want to draw some information and, and share and get, gather things for our devotion as well. I mean, biblical roles and responsibilities. What is the role of a husband? What's the role of the wife? What's the biblical role of dad? Biblical role of mom? Biblical role of the children? What are some of these biblical roles? Now listen, we can define things the way we want all day long, but if you want God's in, we want God's power in our life, our home, our marriages. We need to align ourselves with God's biblical roles. Well, we want to teach our children those roles. So we simply go to the Word and we identify what those are in the Word of God and we share them with our kids. Boy, that's a powerful thing. 
And you know what's interesting? If we'll take the Bible and we'll take the time to share what the Word of God says about these doctrinal issues, one day they won't just always say, you know what, I, you know, I do what I do, you know, or no, excuse me. One day they won't walk out the door when they're 17, 18 years old and say, well, I don't believe what mom and dad believe. Because they always gave me a set of rules, but they never told me why. At least you'll be telling them why, and if they do walk out the door and say, I want nothing to do with Jesus, it won't be because you didn't take the time to show them in the Bible where it's at. That'll be their decision. What about Bible separation? We think about 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 and 8, through 18. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And we misinterpret that sometimes. We don't always come full circle with it. Sometimes we limit that to just simply, well, you can't get with somebody that's not saved. Boy, listen, that applies in business. That applies in life as friends. That applies with girlfriend, boyfriend. That applies with wife and husband, all of these things. But it's not just whether you're saved or not. It's whether you're compatible spiritually. It's whether you're on an equal plane. Number three, just general biblical truths. Think about the, this Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and be kind one to another. Boy, that's a principle that needs taught in family devotions in a household. How many times have you found a sister or a brother at each other's throats? Kindness is something they need to hear about. And by the way, when you're talking about a, a biblical truth like this, you make it applicable. You talk about things. You know, have you ever gotten so mad at your brother you wanted to choke him? She'd be like, yeah, just a minute ago. And you talk about the Bible says, and be ye kind one to another. What does that mean to be kind? If you were kind to your brother, how would you, would you choke him? No. You get where I'm going? I mean, just make it practical. Consideration. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Wow. Simple, right? So it's not just about you, is it, Junior. How could you show consideration to your brother or sister? That's a good question to ask. That'll open up some doors of conversation. We've got the verse here now. We're trying to get them involved. We want them to begin to apply the principle in their life. We want them to see that the Bible's not just a bunch of words on a simple page, but the Bible comes alive, and it's actually practical for the day and age in which we live. It, 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 it's so practical. Oh, it's an archaic book. It's antiquated. It's old and outdated. No, it's not. It's just as applicable today as it's ever been. And maybe more so, more than ever, we need the word. What about submission? Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I don't know, but listen, we have addressed some major issues in the Christian life. Submission being one of them now. Humility being another. Those are areas that the, your children need to hear continually and constantly. They need to have it just saturated with biblical truths, biblical doctrine, biblical principles. It's accumulative. It keeps building one on the other. And pretty soon, your children are telling other people, well, my dad says, we don't do that at our house. Matter of fact, when my sister gets mad, mm, it's not good for her. 
Do you understand where I'm going? Before it's over with, they begin to adopt and adapt to you. Have you ever watched a child that's been trained biblically as far as, as, far as training goes, as far as discipline in their life? You can watch three-year-olds and four-year-olds discipline dolls. And you say, well, that's kind of weird. No, it's because that's what they've been taught. They themselves have been taught what discipline is by being disciplined properly, and now they follow through with their dollies and teach their dolls how to be disciplined. You say, well, what about boys and dolls? I don't want my boy having a doll. I want him to be a man. Okay, that doesn't sit well with our culture today either, but let me tell you something. I want him to be a man. So I don't get him a doll. Now, he's going to play with his sister's dolls. And he'll probably poke its eyes out and twist its arms upside down, and sister will be mad. He broke my dolly and all that stuff. And you'll say, don't you ever touch your sister's dolls. You do that, you're going to, you can't break her dolls. You be kind to those dollies. I loved holding dolls when I was kid. I still love holding babies now. But I'm a man. <laughs> Bible doctrine. We better get off that one. Bible doctrine. Salvation, eternal life, redemption, separation, giving, all of those things. Giving, giving, giving. Listen to me. You need to teach your children how to give biblically. That doesn't just happen overnight. Well, I want it to be their decision. Do you want their salvation to be their decision? Why? Why would you want that to happen? I don't want them to make their own. I, I'm not going to, well, you know what? I, I'm, we're, you know, kind of like COVID, we're going to be asymptomatic about religion in our house. We're just not going to show any evidence. We're going to let them decide when they get old. Are you showing any signs of Christianity over here yet? No. Man, I want to train them up in the way they should go. And then I want to train them in biblical doctrine because you know what I found in my life, just like you found in your life? That God blesses givers. So I want my kids to be blessed. I don't know about you, but I want mine to be blessed, and I do think you do too. I'm watching God bless our ministry because of faithful giving. So obviously there's people in this room that agree with me. God's good when you're obedient in that area. And you know what? I want my kids to experience the blessings I have. Okay, so we've talked about a couple of things. We've we talked about the starting place, the Bible. We talked about some topics or some of the areas. And, and we said, you know, Bible stories are good. Even act them out. We talked about general Bible truths, Bible doctrines, things like that. <clears throat> now, structure for family worship. Let's just outline maybe just a real quick template of what it may, uh, how it sets up real quick. For instance, number one, set a time and a location. You, you need to have a time and a location when you're going to do this. If you're just waiting for it to happen, it's not going to happen. There's always something that comes up, right? You have to put it on your schedule, and you have to, you have to make that schedule your boss. Okay, the schedule becomes your boss. And so you put it on the schedule, and you follow the schedule. And so a specific time and location. Then also have a game plan. You need a game plan. Be organized. The Bible says to do things decently and in order in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. So have a game plan. Identify what you're going to try to accomplish. Know the scripture you're going to turn to. Don't just walk into family devotions, take your Bible and go, well, let's see what God wants today. All right. They that may see and know and consider and understand together that, they, that the hand of the Lord hath done this and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. Praise God. What do you think about that, Junior? 
That's right. Your mommy forgot to tell me you can't read yet, nor can you uh, formulate things. You're only two and a half. But anyway, the fact is, is that what do you think about that anyway? I just want your input. I want your, oh, come on. That's not how you do it. No, you got to have a game plan. You know where you're going already. So you set a time and a location. You have a game plan. You kind of know where you're going to go in the Bible. You have an idea the direction you're going to go. If you're going to use an illustration or something, you've got that planned out because that brings us to the next point. Sing a song, maybe. Nothing wrong with a little chorus. Maybe your children are coming off VBS, and they've got a, a wonderful new course they learn. And you say, hey, why don't you guys sing that new course for us again? And then we'll do it together. Family devotions, family devotions or family worship doesn't have to be, you know, like another church service. It's, it's a time when you get together and you can communicate God's love and you work together and you just enjoy one another. And so you're singing a song. Maybe you share a quote. You know, kids are getting a little older and, and what other people think matters to them and it ought to. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I was glad that there was a youth director at Community Baptist. I was glad that there were other men and women that attended Community Baptist Temple that my children could look to for guidance and even as, as examples in their life. Listen, I, I want to be everything I can be to my children, but it helps when you got other people doing the same thing. And that's a wonderful opportunity, wonderful tool for us to have others that we can trust to give them some leadership and direction to reinforce what we are trying to teach and what God's word says. And so we get a quote maybe from someone or maybe a, a, short, a short story or some kind of incident or something that took place that goes along with the Bible verse that we're going to utilize that day. So we, we set a time and a location. We have a game plan. And then we, we perform that game plan by starting off maybe with a song and, and sharing a quote or maybe even a story. But... Maybe we don't even do that. Maybe we just get right into the Bible. That's, that's okay too. But if you've done that, you've shared that story, you shared that quote, or maybe even the song, we would call that a hook. You're trying to get them hooked. You share that quote and it kind of makes them think. It draws them in. You share that story and it makes them say, wow, that's cool, what next? And then you open the scriptures and you share that verse. That's called the book. So we have the hook and the book. And we relate the scripture to the hook and the hook to the book. Okay, but anyway, you get it. All right, so there you go. And, and, and again, it doesn't have to be complicated though, okay? It's not tough. It doesn't have to be complicated. Then here's the key, and, and this is what I want to really want you to understand more than anything else. Apply the principle. Apply it. So I guess I'm going to say it this way. Be long on application. Be long on application. Now, you've heard preaching, and you know what? We, we love preaching around here, and, and, and it's obvious. You get up there, you say, God bless, we're all sinners, God bless you. We're all going to die and go to hell. We need Jesus Christ. And everybody's like, praise God, glory to God, amen. Here's the only problem. If I stop right there, we're all sinners, we're all going to be separated from God forever in a lake of fire. You got to get right with God. You got to get right with God. You got to get right with God. You know what I've done? I've given them what is wrong. I've given you what needs done. But you know what? I've never told you how to do it. I didn't give you any, any answers, really. I, I told you what the problem is. I told you what needs to be done. You need saved, brother. And somebody's out there going, what's that mean? How do I get saved? 
I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that Jesus died for me and paid the price for my sin, but I know all that. I, I know the what's. I just need the how. And in essence, that's what this application is. Application is the how. I mean, how does the Bible verse that you're sharing with your children apply to them directly? How does it apply to their, their life, whether they're in school or whether they're with a friend's house or whether they're in church or wherever they're at? How does that principle apply to their life directly? Application. See, we spend too much time on pointing out the problem and stating the prescription. And all those things are necessary. Don't misunderstand me. But we also need to spend time and even the bulk of our time practically applying the principle, focusing on the how to get it done. Now, what do we do with that truth? What do we do with it now that I know? I know I have a problem. I know what I need to do. How do I do it? That's where we need to spend our time. Now, most people know the problem. Most people know, you go to a doctor, and, and, and he says, you say, Doc, I, 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 I'll be honest with you, I have a pain over here. Like my, my son-in-law recently just went to the ER. He, he had, a, had a pain in his, his ribs over, over here, you know, and he was, he was having a problem. And so the one doc said, you need to go to the emergency room. So the emergency room, he goes, he gets checked out. The doc says, well... We done some tests on you and stuff, and you got pleurisy. Exactly. Now here's the problem, okay? Now you got a diagnosis. And, and the doc says, you know, you're gonna have to take it easy a while. Okay. You know what the real question is? How do I get better? Did you notice that? How? How do I get better? I know I have pleurisy, and I know that I've got to take it easy or whatever, but how do I really get better? What's the prescription? I, I, I know, oh, well, you need to, you need to uh, do this or do that. That's great, but how do I do that? So many times we don't have the how down. You know, I'm just saying it's important that you're long on application. <clears throat> so work on that, how to get it done. Spend time talking to your children, your teenager, about how it applies to their life. If we know pride's a problem, talk to them about the idea, okay, here's a good story about pride. Now, how do you overcome pride in your life? How do you do that? Because pride, we know pride's wrong, and we know how it affects us negatively, so how do we deal with that? There's the application time. Spend the bulk of your time trying to show your children, your family, how to overcome it, not just that there's a problem with it. That's the application. And that is the work, by the way. That takes a lot of effort at times. Now, and let me just say this too. Have you been, have any of, have you been watching the, the podcasts? Do you know, you'll notice that a lot of times, at least for mine, I try to use a little story. I have a verse, a story, and then I try to make a quick application. Now, here's the thing. All those, you know what those are really? They're little devotions. They're little, they would be good for family worship with the exception of one thing. The, it's, it's short on application instead of long because we don't have any time. We only have so, many, so much time. Uh, my, the experts have told me 
that, that you're, you don't have the capability or the ability to function past three minutes. Is that really true? Yeah, kind of. But anyway, you know, you know how I came to that conclusion? Because I was looking up some videos one day on something, and everything that was over three minutes, I wouldn't even look at. I just skipped right over that. I want to know something, and I want to know it now. Right? If you're going to give it to me, give it to me straight. I don't need a bunch of words. Just give it to me. And I'm, that's okay. So for us, in, in this case, we're trying to stay around the three-minute mark. And every once in a while, I get a little long-winded. But the fact is, is that we're trying to keep it short. But when you have family devotion or family worship, you got a little more time. you got 10 minutes. you got 15 minutes, maybe. Maybe you got 20 minutes. I don't know what your, how you work yours. But you've got to be long on this application. Take it and run with that application. Okay, so once you've done that, encourage some participation. Ask some questions along the way. A lot of times just asking questions is good. Not only does asking questions get people involved, but it also helps you to evaluate where they're at. It helps you to know whether or not they've received the information or that they've been able to internalize it or to make sense of it. It's so important. And you know what? Don't be long. Don't get so long that everybody's like a statue. Or like it's, and again, I don't watch these shows, but, you know, Night of the Living Dead or something where they're like, you know, zombies walking around or something. You know, I, I mean, those are shows we used to watch back in the 19 whatevers. <laughs> I guess they got some of that stuff now, but it's pretty gory stuff. It's pretty realistic. I would encourage you, be careful. Don't let your kids watch some of that junk. But anyway, the fact is, is that, the fact is, is that um, you, you need to be careful you don't just bore people out of their minds. I mean, that's just a reality. I don't know about you, but I get bored sometimes, you know, so, and some of you are going, yeah, let me, tell me about it right now, but anyway, uh, so I can tell some of you got that blank stare on your face, like, okay, so anyway, we're almost done, so, so be careful with that, all right, don't be too long, and, and as I said, family worship is accumulative, so what are some resources, we already talked about that. The Bible's a great resource. Obviously, we can't even have it without the Bible, right? Makes perfect sense. You know what else is another resource I think that is very helpful? Maybe some, some topics. You learn something in Sunday school. You learn something from your Sunday school teacher. Take that and, and, and make it a family worship time. Maybe you can break it down into a couple days even. Talking about some of the things you learned. Maybe there was a great illustration that they shared and it really impacted you. Well, use that illustration and share it with your kids and make the application on their level. As I said already, the podcast, you might even take some of those and think, man, that was pretty good. I, I, I could come up with a story from, a, a ver, a, from that verse or use that as a pattern. I, maybe I look at that verse in the Bible and I think about something, how it applied to me and uh, boy, I think I'll share that with my kids. That's great. Maybe there's a children or teen devotional that you could use. It doesn't always have to be just open the Bible and let's go at it. No, maybe there's another tool, a resource that you can use that will help you in this area. Listen, it's, it's daunting sometimes, isn't it? I mean, to think that you're going to have, you know, two, three, four times a week, maybe five, six times a week where you're going to do family worship. It's like, wow, where do I get all this material? There's so much I've got to do. And boy, it helps to have some other options. Some resources. In our bookstore, there's a number of resources. We don't have them all 
available right at the moment, but we do often have maybe just one copy and we can order them. Or maybe there's some other resource. Mrs. Cavanaugh is a wealth of information when it comes to things like this. For instance, in our bookstore, Leading Little Ones to God. Well, this is good. A child's book of Bible teachings. Well, you take this and utilize it. I know a family that's using it right now in our church. Listen, great opportunity. Well, then there's other ones like the Action Bible. Again, some things in our bookstore that are very helpful. Look at the pictures in there. I'd look at it just for the pictures. You don't even have to read. Look at that. Beautiful. I'm a Christian. Now what? I mean, just different, different types of materials that are helpful. And she has so many options in there and so many uh, uh, suggestions to make. Some of the materials are as little as $3. Some are upwards of $18, $20. But you know what? If you can get some good material for 20 bucks, my friend, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. I want to encourage you to take the time to share with your family, to take time to put together a time of family worship and family devotion, if you will. Make the Bible important in your life. And then 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ literally left heaven. He became poor that we could become rich. He took our place. He became sin for us that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. Oh, wow, are we blessed and he just says, let's just keep this going now to the next generation. Let's not let it stop with you. Pass those truths and pass that wonderful blessing that you now possess and give it to your children and let them give it to their children and to their children. Will he find faith when he comes, the Bible asks? When he returns finally one day, will he find faith on the earth? He will if we'll do our job. Let's do our part. Let's take the time to elevate this book in our life, to elevate it in our homes. I know this has been a little bit different as far as the presentation tonight. I know that. But I hope it's been helpful even in the least bit, just a little bit. And I just want to encourage you to take the time and to recognize how vital and how important it really is to share God and his word with others. Don't wait for the pastor. Don't wait for your te their teachers to do it. You take the opportunity and enjoy the privilege. God gave you these children or he gave you whomever is in your home. Maybe you've adopted children. They're your kids now. You love them like you had them. They're yours. Put them in there and teach them and train them the word of God. And anybody that's in my home is mine now. And I don't care this, listen, you be careful with this stepsister, stepbrother junk. You get kids in your home, they're yours. They're yours. Love them like yours and lead them like yours. They're not, nobody's a second-rate citizen in the household. Everybody's on equal ground. We all are part of this family. And we set them all down and we share with them the most important truths in the world. Him and his word. Father, we come to you.
We thank you for your love toward us. We thank you for how you've blessed us. And we are grateful that you've provided us the opportunity to learn your word through a ministry like this and maybe through a mom or a dad in the past or possibly a friend or relative who was a Christian. Lord, we want to be effective for our children, for for our grandbabies, for those you've entrusted to us. May you help us to elevate the word of God in our life and in our homes. And may all those around us recognize how important the word of God is to us. Father, I do pray that you would be magnified and glorified today. Bless this time even of invitation. Lord, as we have our baptism today, would you just bless? We need you now. We love you. We'll give you the glory. In Christ's name, amen.